title is used for identification purposes only. Union campaign material is not to be distributed on official union resources, equipment, and or publications, including social, social media sites not created with union funds. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you have an opportunity to listen to the Solidarity Effect podcast. I want to thank everybody for taking the opportunity to tune in uh, to these series of podcasts that we're doing and that uh, we have a very special guest again on on the show today and I'd like to introduce uh, Dora Cervantes. We're going to have a follow-up conversation. So Dora, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you and good day to all our members and those that are listening. So, you know, obviously as we're progressing through everything uh, with this election, there's you know, I, I just wanted to take an opportunity today to, to to talk more like on a personal level, uh, just so people can understand that it's, uh, you know, I think sometimes members have, have a perception that people that are in positions like yours are are somewhat like untouchable, I guess, if you want to put it that way. So I want to have just a real conversation about, you know, just you as a person and how you've handled the job. So if we could just... Uh, if you could explain to the listeners kind of the process that you use to select who's going to work in your department with the membership's best interests in mind. So coming uh, coming from a customer service job, uh, when I went up to headquarters and all through all through my leadership roles, I've always implemented that that uh, you attract more bees with honey than you do vinegar. So I've always went bid one to listen and. Being out in the field gave me the experience of dealing with headquarters prior to me getting there. And I say this because as a, you know, whether I was a general chairman, an organizer, even as a Grand Lodge rep, when we were out in the field, we had limited resources. It's not like you do your job at a desk. Mm -hmm. And there were some demands that were put on us either by the district or by the Grand Lodge that kind of made it impossible for us to do certain things. So I made it a point that if I ever got there, that I would make a difference based on the impact that it had on me uh, as a field rep. I can tell you on, from a woman's perspective, uh, I know that early on, and I know this, uh, and I have, I have my proof is that uh, there was very limited, hardly no women's clothing available. Um, growing up, I've been a 30 plus year member when I was a general chairman for District 142, mm-hmm. we have District 142 mechanics jackets that were made. Okay. And as myself and a few women that were general chairmen, it's like, I'm a woman. I should dress like a woman. And they didn't have any women's clothing. Interesting. And I said, well, I'm going to make a difference. And I kid you not, Kevin, um, I have my blazers that I, my personal blazers that I took and I personally had transportation district 142 made all my women's blazers oh, okay because there wasn't women's clothing i'm like hmm. we got women in the union so right. what about us yeah exactly so i swore that i would make a difference yeah and i started there also too uh as an organizer you know we needed tools right there and then whether it was uh banners uh flyers so you know translations and being that i'm bilingual i did my own translations uh i learned to do graphics and do my own flyers and do do them immediately right there and then sure 
instead of sending them to headquarters and getting them back down printed. Mm -hmm. You know, you're working a campaign. You need materials right there and then. Right, right. You know, as a Grand Lodge rep, we were on the road most of the time. We have hotel expenses, gas expenses. And back in the day, if they weren't approved, they would send they were sent back to you. And there were times where in order for you to get reimbursed for a weekly, it would take a month. Wow. And that wasn't fair. You know, right. our people are on demand around the clock. So I said, it's got, we got to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So when I took, when I went up to headquarters as the GST, you know, I surrounded myself with people who would understand the field work that goes out there. Right. I said, look, when we, when our, when our representatives or our members call from the outside in, I said, they're calling for help. Right. I said, help them to the best of your knowledge. I said, you know, most of them just want an answer, direct them, or just be patient with them. Right. So I did uh, kind of customer service training, phone etiquette uh, with, really? with my group. Yes. Okay. I also revamped the accounting department so that they could turn the weeklies around, pay the invoices and the bills. I basically gave them the directive that if there is a weekly that comes in and there's an error, shoot that individual an email and mm -hmm. let's see and see what, you know, ask the question, uh, if there's minimal change, um, if it's money that's added to them, you know, shoot him an email that his weekly has been adjusted to reflect this because of that. Sure, sure. I said, but let's turn those weeklies around. I said, if they get, to, if they get them in on time, then they should be paid timely. Right. So we revamped, uh, all the accounting department, the membership departments, every single department, educated our staff so that they know what our members need, what they're about, and also our field reps so that they know sure. what they need to do and have those tools ready available for them. So, I mean, that's, you know, those are all, those are all great points. So, you know, how important is it to just find that it's, you got to have the right people in the positions to Correct. be able to, to, to follow through with a lot of that, right? I mean, Correct. So, so what do you look for in people um, to know that they're going to be the right fit? I mean, because that's part of the responsibility, right? Well, there, there's different. So the staff that was already there at headquarters, mm -hmm. it's an amazing staff. They do amazing work. It was just a matter of tying the field experience to the office experience. Sure. Okay. So by, by educating the office staff on what the people in the field go through, it made both jobs easier. Well, and you were able to bring that to the table because you were exactly. a field rep. Exactly. I mean, it was it was you were speaking from a position of experience. Correct. Uh, so uh, it was like real time talking to a field rep. Absolutely. So, so it's so the transition into this new mode of doing things was it easier because of that? Do you believe that the staff appreciated that? Yes, and 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 the staff appreciates that they don't have to come to me for everything that they're smart enough in the work that they do that they can make decision and I'm going to support them 100%. They know what it takes to stay within the guidelines. Right. So the micromanagement is gone. They are they are each aware of their job. They work with the field reps or with the member, you know, and the policies that are in place and they can just move that work forward. So so what I'm hearing you say is is you've you've laid out clear expectations for the staff and, yes. and they they understand it and they Correct. understand that responsibility and they they follow through with that. So I mean I think that's an important point for people to understand that it's 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 a dynamic department. There's a lot of moving parts and be able to come in and uh, 
and maybe uh, have the ship go in a different direction. Sometimes it takes it takes a lot of effort to do that, but uh, with it, your experience, it, it helped. It takes a lot of effort, you know, and we've done it from every level, from the member to the local to the district. We've implemented changes to make everything easier. Mm -hmm. We've moved into the 21st century with the latest technology. Uh, That's great. That you you know, our locals <laughs> are under, you know, a great banking accounting system that the auditor doesn't have to be there on a daily basis, but can walk them through a computer system. Right. So, and we've changed our model based on the needs of our members, the staff, the locals, the districts to make everything easier. Our job is not to push people away, but to embrace them. And, and you know, I say this uh, every time I give a speech that I, I work for you. Right. I work for the membership. Mm-hmm. And they tell me what they need, and my job is to work to make it easier or get it for them. So how come how come all of these great things that you've done hasn't been put up on a neon sign and blazoned across the entire internet about how, how great everything has been done under your leadership? Well, I don't need neon signs. I'm busy working and trying to get it done, yeah. you know, but... Uh, Grand Lodge reps, locals, they're all grateful, and I get it all the time. I... I, I don't need that. You know, all my life I've worked for this union and for our membership to do the best. You know, I've gotten my butt kicked and beat up to do whatever is right. Sure. I don't need my name in lights. So humility is a big factor. Absolutely. As well. yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. So um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so what does it mean to you when I ask this question? What does it mean to be a true unionist? A true unionist is someone that believes what the word union means. Okay. A true unionist is someone who believes in uniting people, the unity of a group coming together. A true unionist is who I am okay. because I believe in supporting one another, helping one another, and fighting for one another. I said, a, a true unionist, I hope and believe that it's everything that I exemplify. That's all I've known. More than half my life I've been in the union. How important is solidarity to you? It's very important. Okay. It's very important. You know, and and it's like the old saying goes, you know, uh, divided we fall. You know, together, solid. You can't break something that's solid. Right. Solidarity means everything if you want to move forward. Do you believe it's a cornerstone of being a true unionist? Absolutely. Yeah. Along with integrity and everything else. And everything else. Hard work and dedication. And there's a lot of that. Yes. And there's an awful lot of that across yes. across many, many different positions uh, in the organization. So um, you served at one time in your career as a full-time organizer. Is that correct? Correct. So you've obviously got some experience on organizing campaigns and organizing new workers. Um, yes. Let me ask you this. How, how successful would you be as a full-time organizer, or anybody for that matter, uh, if you ran a campaign trying to organize new workers based on lies and smears. How far would you get? Not far at all. And why is that? It doesn't work. People do not like to hear their employer being smeared. You know, and, and Kevin, just a quick correction, I continue to be an organizer. Every time I go, you know, with whatever campaign that I'm aware of, I make it a point to organize, you know, to right. organize, talk to our members, whether it's in-house or an organizing campaign. Sure. And I have been 
very successful in organizing large groups in the airline industry. Right. And just smear campaigns, dirty campaigns do not work. And I can use a, this as an example. If you're organizing a group of workers, um, it's very important that you don't badmouth the employer. Because at the end of the day, the employer is who signs their check. Right. You're just an outsider knocking at the door trying to sell them a product. And if you start going after the employer and how rotten that employer is or whatever reason, they're going to look at you like, how dare, how dare you come in here and talk about my employer? He signs my check. Right. The campaigns that have been won have been won on a positive or a generalistic uh, organizing effort okay. where you can compare one employer in the same field to another employer. Mm-hmm. a union uh, employer to a non-union employer. Mm-hmm. And you can generalize it by saying, you know, a contract will give you this in writing. A contract will give you guaranteed wages that are negotiated, guaranteed health care benefits that are negotiated. It's in black and white. It'll give you a grievance procedure. You don't have to attack the employer. You can say, you know, the employer you know, doesn't want to pay you this, doesn't want to pay you that. At the end of the day, they don't know anybody else other than the employer. Right. So why would you want to smear and attack that employer? So really what I'm hearing you say here is when you're when you're out organizing and you're 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 talking to workers that are trying to form a union, that it's imperative to talk about the positive aspects of what a union can do for them. Does exactly. that does that seem to does that seem to bring the best out of people? Like, like they have something to strive for because yes. it's something in a positive light. Is that does that the, is correct? In your experience, have you seen that? That's that's how I've seen it. We've got you know the IM is a good product. It is a good product. Mm-hmm. Best leading in contracts in the industry. Several industries. You know the large amount of people we have under the aerospace. We have a good product to sell. There's no reason that you need to attack an employer, run a smear campaign or a nasty campaign or what, however you want to do it to get members because people frown on that. Right. Because, you know, really, I mean, we, we have a very diverse organization. Absolutely. Probably one of the most diverse in the country, I would wager to bet. Uh, and because of that, there's, there's a lot of differences with a lot of different groups within the organization. But at the end of the day, we're all under the same umbrella, right? Correct. Right, and we need to strengthen that umbrella together. That is correct. So and, and here's the thing, you know, um, I always sold the IAM based on on what we have to offer, and we've come so far now with the free college. We have an EAP program that's available outside of the employer that our members could feel comfortable coming to if they have some type of addiction or health issue. Just the benefits that the IAM has for its members is a good positive note that you don't need to smear or run dirty tactics yeah. or lies. Yeah, and then let's talk of that. And let's talk about that a little bit. That's real interesting because you have talked about this just recently about your educational background while you're working you know, in, in your position and coming up through the ranks and, and getting that secondary education. How important is it? To you, since you've been around quite a, quite a few years, that this free college program is now being provided to all IAM dues-paying members compared to what it was before. I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, it's very huge. I, I it's mean, very huge. And I say this, Kevin, because I'm a big advocate for education. You know, um, dropped, you know, finished my high school, went to college, and dropped out, and 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 didn't get to finish college because I was 
you know, busy working and raising a family and organizing and sure, doing yeah. everything else yeah. as all our adult lives are. Went back and got my bachelor's degree uh, through the partnership that the IEM had with National Labor College. Mm-hmm. Went on to get my master's degree with uh, the SUNY Empire, which uh, we've also partnered with. Me and I sit on that board, and we're trying to expand this. Right. Some of us can't afford college, you know, our kids can't afford college, or whatever reason, right. you know, that's thrown at us. But now we've got this benefit that we can provide free college to our members and their families. And that's the kicker right there. Yes. Their family. That is it's correct. Not just the member. It's 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 your your, your spouse, your dependents. Right. It, so it it's broadened. Who wouldn't want that? You know, and in that, I say that because you can you can take that education, get an associate's degree all the way to a bachelor's degree. Mm, okay. That's that's a membership only benefit. Huge in a right to work a state. Huge in a right to work state. And here and here's <laughs> I know the thing. A little bit about right to work states, but oh, I come from a right to work too. state. Yeah, I, I yeah, I fought yeah. right to work you in Texas. Too, so, but exactly. so so why would you smear or talk bad about any employer when we have all this good stuff to offer? Right. There's no need for it. I mean, you know, representing Harley Davidson, an American icon, you know, representing the healthcare workers for fighting the COVID. We right. have such a diverse group in our union. Mm-hmm. Just the 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 uh, the skills and the trades and everything that our union me- members make. I would be proud and honored right. to be a part of that union that's got such wonderful people that are members. Well, and you know, and that's and that's the whole purpose of having these conversations and just being able to expand the breadth of, of, of people's understanding of, of what they're, they're, they're. I would go so far as to say even missing out on because there's so much that the the, the organization has to offer to them and their families. But I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of go off the beaten path here a little bit, but. I'm going to show you something that I take a lot of pride, a lot of pride in, and uh, what does what does this this mean to you? And for the listeners, I, I'm showing I'm showing Dora my union card. Your union card, and you and you said the words. You know, you're very proud. You know, that's that's like a badge of honor to me. How so? Well, I've carried that around for a long time, and it's more so as a woman because <clears throat> my grandfather and my father, who came off the rails, bragged about their union card and well you know it's a badge of honor for me because guess what I got one too so I you know you want to hear something funny is that uh it's kind of a secret uh I know my book number but I don't know my driver's license number it's like (laughs) it just goes to show you how which one I give out the most yeah (laughs) (laughs) right well and, and that's and that's something to say right there just because of the level of importance you have for something like that you know I my book number I was proud to get it when I got it and it it sits behind in my wallet as you can see right here and here's here's something that's interesting my original social security card. oh you can hardly read it I signed this when I was six years old and here it is it's all tore up but I got it in my wallet and guess what my union card is right next to it so it's it's very powerful so and we all of us in the organization have have that card and I think that it's it's important for people to understand what that really means it means a lot to me because, you know, I come from a family that's all union card holding members to right. one union or the other. Mm-hmm. So it gives me bragging rights that I'm a proud machinist and I belong to a union family, personal family, right. brothers and sisters, but then I belong to an even greater one, 600,000 plus machinists. Right. 
So it is a badge of honor for me. And it's it's something to be proud of, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so. I have to tell you this, Kevin, yeah, before sure. you ask me the next question. So, <laughs> you know, don't get me to talking because I can't shut no, up. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. That's I wanted, I wanted to brag. I wanted to brag. So, you know, um, in the different in the different leadership skills that I hold, even when you refer to my union card, you know, when I'm out in the field, whether I'm with family, with friends, you don't know the bragging rights that I have. When I look, if I'm out on the beach somewhere and somebody's got a Mercury engine that I can say our members make that. When I ride my Harley and it's got our IM gear on the fork. That's right. And I said, our members make that. It's, yeah. You know, those are bragging rights. My train AC that's outside at my house. It's right. like our members make that. The Lasco fan, mm -hmm. our members make that. And it's like, it just gives me great pride because it's bragging rights. Right. That I can tell other people like, yep. We make those. Right, exactly. And, and just think of all the different diversified products from the defense industry, the airline industry, Absolutely. manufacturing. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it's uh, uh, it, it's important for people to have that pride, is it, it not? And I'm proud. And every time I get to point the finger at something that our members make, it just makes me sp smile from ear to ear like, hey, I know them. That's us. Yeah, That's us. Yeah, and and I think I, I think with that, Dora, you really you really have defined what a true unionist really is, and I, I thank you for that, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but you know what? I tell you, it's been a great conversation, and and I want to give you the opportunity for the last word. So if if you want to just say uh, whatever you want to say to the to listen audience, the the floor is yours, sister. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to thank all those that uh, have already voted. Uh, and those that haven't, uh, April the 24th, go out, make your voice heard. You know, vote for me. I've got, uh, I've started off in the right path, stirring the ship down the right path, and there's still lots of work to get done. And, you know, I wish to continue to do that work. And I wish to continue to meet everyone and continue my bragging rights. With that, get out and vote. My name is Dora Cervantes, and I'm your proud and humble General Secretary Treasurer. Much love to everyone. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you, Doris, so much for that. We really appreciate that. Um, and although we are close to the end of the campaign, I'm I'm still going to just throw it out there and offer to Ian Scott Anderman that if she wants to get a hold of me and have a conversation on the solidarity effect, we are still waiting, but there still is time. So we never know what that's going to come up with, but we'll see how it goes uh, with that. Uh, thank you so much, and everybody stay safe. If you plan on voting absentee, ballots must be postmarked by Thursday, April 22nd and received by April 29th. The election for General Secretary Treasurer is on Saturday, April 24th from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Check your local for voting location if you plan to vote in person. Vote for Dora Cervantes for General Secretary Treasurer.